Section 1 of the Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 5 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 1. Book 21. Chapters 1 to 9. An account of flowers and those used for chaplets more particularly. Chapter 1. The Nature of Flowers and Garlands Cato has recommended that flowers for making chaplets should also be cultivated in the garden, varieties remarkable for a delicacy which it is quite impossible to express inasmuch as no individual can find such facilities for describing them as nature does for bestowing on them their numerous tints. Nature, who here in especial shows herself in a sportive mood, and takes a delight in the prolific display of her varied productions. The other plants she has produced for our use and our nutriment, and to them, accordingly, she has granted years and even ages of duration. But, as for the flowers and their perfumes, she has given them birth for but a day, a mighty lesson to men, we see, to teach him that that which is its career is the most beauteous and the most attractive to the eye, is the very first to fade and die. Even the limner's art itself possesses no resources for reproducing the colors of the flowers in all their varied tints and combinations, whether we view them in groups alternately blending their hues, or whether arranged in festoons, each variety by itself, now assuming a circular form, now running obliquely, and now disposed in a spiral pattern, or whether, as we see sometimes, one wreath is interwoven within another. Chapter 2. Garlands and Chaplets The ancients used chaplets of diminutive size, called strupi, from which comes our name for a chaplet, strufiolum. Indeed, it was only by very slow degrees that this last word became generalized, as the chaplets that were used at sacrifices, or were granted as the reward of military valor, asserted their exclusive right to the name of corona. As for garlands, when they came to be made of flowers, they received the name of certa, from the verb cero, or else from our word series. The use of flowers for garlands is not so very ancient among the Greeks even. Chapter 3. Who invented the art of making garlands, when they first received the name of Corolli, and for what reason? 4. In early times it was the usage to crown the victors in the sacred contests with branches of trees, and it was only at a later period that they began to vary their tints by the combination of flowers, to heighten the effect in turn by their color and their smell, an invention due to the ingenuity of the painter Pausias at Sion, and the garland-maker Glycera, a female, to whom he was greatly attached, and whose handiwork was imitated by him in colors. Challenging him to a trial of skill, she would repeatedly vary her designs, and thus it was, in reality, a contest between art and nature, a fact which we find attested by pictures of that artist even still in existence, more particularly the one known as Stephane Plocus, 
in which he has given a likeness of glycera herself this invention therefore is only to be traced to later than the hundredth olympiad chaplets of flowers being now the fashion it was not long before those came into vogue which are known to us as egyptian chaplets and then the winter chaplets made for the time at which earth refuses her flowers of thin laminae of horn stained various colours by slow degrees too the name was introduced at rome these garlands being known there at first as corollae a designation given them to express the remarkable delicacy of their texture in more recent times again when the chaplets presented were made of thin plates of copper gilt or silvered they assumed the name of corollaria chapter four who was the first to give chaplets with leaves of silver and gold lemniski who was the first to emboss them crossus divis was the first who gave chaplets with artificial leaves of silver and gold at the games celebrated by him to embellish these chaplets and to confer additional honour on them lemniski were added in imitation of the etruscan chaplets which ought properly to have none but lemniski made of gold for a long period these lemniski were destitute of ornament publius claudius pulcher was the first who taught us to emboss them and added leaves of tinsel to the laminae of which the lemniscus was formed chapter five the great honour in which chaplets were held by the ancients chaplets however were always held in a high degree of estimation those even which were acquired at the public games for it was the usage of the citizens to go down in person to take part in the contest of the circus and to send their slaves and horses thither as well hence it is that we find it thus written in the laws of the twelve tables if any person has gained a chaplet himself or by his money let the same be given to him as the reward of his prowess there is no doubt that by the words gained by his money the loss meant a chaplet which had been gained by his slaves or horses well then what was the honour acquired thereby it was the right secured by the victor for himself and for his parents after death to be crowned without fail while the body was laid out in the house and on its being carried to the tomb on other occasions chaplets were not indiscriminately worn not even those which had been won in the games chapter six the severity of the ancients in reference to chaplets indeed the rules upon this point were remarkably severe lucius fulvius a banker having been accused at the time of the second punic war of looking down from the balcony of his house upon the forum with a chaplet of roses upon his head was imprisoned by order of the senate and was not liberated before the war was brought to a close publius monachius having placed upon his head a chaplet of flowers taken from the statue of marcius was condemned by the triumviri to be put in chains upon his making appeal to the tribunes of the people they refused to intercede in his behalf a very different state of things to that at athens where the young men in their drunken revelry were in the habit before midday of making their way into the very schools of the philosophers even among ourselves no such instance of a similar licentiousness is to be found unless indeed in the case of the daughter of the late emperor augustus who in her nocturnal debaucheries 
placed the chaplet on the statue of Marsyas, conduct deeply deplored in the letters of that god. Chapter 7. A Citizen Decked with Flowers by the Roman People Scipio is the only person that ever received from the Roman people the honor of being decked with flowers. This Scipio received the surname of Serapio, from his remarkable resemblance to a certain person of that name who dealt in pigs. He died in his tribuneship, greatly beloved by the people, and in every way worthy of the family of the Africani. The property he left was not sufficient to pay the expenses of his burial, upon which the people made a subscription and contracted for his funeral, flowers being scattered upon the body from every possible quarter as it was borne along. Chapter 8 Plated chaplets, needlework chaplets, nardleaf chaplets, silken chaplets. In those days, too, chaplets were employed in honor of the gods, the lares, public as well as domestic, the sepulchres, and the manes. The highest place, however, in public estimation, was held by the plated chaplet, such as we find used by the salii in their sacred rites, and at the solemnization of their yearly banquets. In later times, the rose chaplet has been adopted, and luxury arose at last to such a pitch that a chaplet was held in no esteem at all if it did not consist entirely of leaves sewn together with the needle. More recently again, they have been imported from India, or from nations beyond the countries of India. But it is looked upon as the most refined of all to present chaplets made of nard leaves, or else of silk of many colors steeped in unguents. Such is the pitch to which the luxuriousness of our women has at last arrived. Chapter 9. Authors who have written on flowers. An anecdote relative to Queen Cleopatra and chaplets. Among the Greeks, the physicians Nesitheus and Callimachus have written separate treatises on the subject of chaplets, making mention of such flowers as are injurious to the head. For, in fact, the health is here concerned to some extent, as it is at the moments of carousal and gaiety in particular, that penetrating odors steal insidiously upon the brain. Witness an instance in the wicked cunning displayed upon one occasion by Cleopatra. At the time when preparations were making for the battle that was eventually fought at Axiom, Antonius held the queen in such extreme distrust as to be in dread of her very attentions even, and would not so much as touch his food unless another person had tasted it first. Upon this, the queen, it is said, wishing to amuse herself with his fears, had the extremities of the flowers in a chaplet dipped in poison, and then placed it upon her head. After a time, as the hilarity increased the pace, she challenged Antonius to swallow the chaplets mixed up with their drink. Who, under such circumstances as these, could have apprehended treachery? Accordingly, the leaves were stripped from off the chaplet and thrown into the cup. Just as Antonius was on the very point of drinking, she arrested his arm with her hand. Behold, Marcus Antonius, said she, the woman against whom you are so careful to take these new precautions of yours in employing your tasters, and would then, if I could exist without you, either means or opportunity of effecting my purpose be wanting to me? Saying this, 
she ordered a man to be brought from prison and made him drink off the potion he did so and fell dead upon the spot besides the two authors above mentioned theophrastus among the greeks has written on the subject of flowers some of our own writers also have given the title of ontologica to their works but no one to my knowledge at least has treated expressly of flowers in fact we ourselves have no intention here of discussing the mode of wearing chaplets for that would be frivolous indeed but shall proceed to state such particulars in relation to flowers as shall appear to us deserving of remark end of section one